Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm Randy, and today I've got a great guest, Paul Cowan is the CMO of FreshBooks. Now, Paul is another Canadian CMO, just like me, in the same city we'd never met before, but we got to talk about his journey. And it's a very interesting one. As he describes it, it kind of takes a whole bunch of different turns of industries without much rhyme or reason when you look at it, but he's always trying to find the wave to ride. What's hot, what's happening in the world, and today for him, that is accounting. But not the accounting, the boring accounting where we're trying to please our accountant. More so that accounting where we're trying to make it easy for our buyer. And a key to that that Paul uncovers for us today is understanding product market fit. And this is a buzzword that you hear around your office all the time. Do we have product market fit and how do we achieve that? Paul will walk us through how to balance that through internal buy-in, but as well making sure that we have the voice of the customer involved. Without further ado, here's my episode this week with CMO FreshBooks, Paul Cowan. Hey, Paul, thanks for making time. Why don't you start off by telling us where you're a CMO today and what that team looks like? Sure. Um, uh, I'm a CMO at FreshBooks. We're a cloud accounting platform. Uh, and what that means is uh, we um, help people with their accounting. Uh, we're, we're specifically built for owners to, to really help, help run and manage their business. Um, unlike other accounting platforms in the space, we're, we're more geared towards the business owners instead of accountants. So uh, we make it easier for, for owners to understand uh, the relationships between themselves and their clients. We're, uh, yeah, we're, we're based out of Toronto and we have a staff of uh, just o- over 400 people. Uh, we've recently opened offices in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina and Amsterdam. Very nice, very nice. And I, I will let you know that my wife is a customer of FreshBooks okay. for a long time now, and I get full credit for having set that account up. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Even though it is very easy to use, but anytime there's tech help needed in the house, that, that's my forte. Well, we'll, uh, we'll and it's great some, software. We'll Simple. give you some referral fees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll let this one slide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so how did you, you know, getting to this CMO level that you're at with, with FreshBooks, which is well beyond, I would call it startup phase in a way, although I'm sure you embrace that mentality. Um, you've seen a lot of companies in your career that have had this you know, growth stage. What does it mean to be a marketing leader at a growth stage business? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we definitely aren't aren't in that that startup bracket. I mean, the company's been around for for um, around fifteen years now, so uh, it's it's well established, and uh, you know the, the the space is pretty well established too. You know, growth growth is absolutely a mindset, and and I think just how people go about thinking about growing their their businesses. Um, you know, I think I think uh, everything that 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 we do is really um, around how we can build out and scale and and find new segments and new markets for the company to keep kind of moving into. So uh, that's the phase that that we're in right now, where we've been a, a good business that's uh, that's found like uh, 
a great niche of customers and and really we're we're still embracing that ability to grow and change and 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 continually uh, pivot by by moving into new markets and uh, scaling out internationally and and being able to uncover uh, new segments through the the technology platform that we have. So if people were to look at your resume, if you will, on LinkedIn and and take a look at some of the companies, you know, just before this, you were with Shutterstock, which again I would kind of associate in my mind as no longer a startup by any means, but a growth company. You know, what is it for you, though, that it's appealing to that stage um, about the mindset of, OK, now we got to get to predictable revenue growth as opposed to, you know, some sort of explosive growth next for or, you know, just trying to figure out any growth? Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, the appeal to, to companies like this or, or like Shutterstock or FreshBooks are, are really, you know, companies who were extremely innovative when they when they first uh, came to market like freshbooks you know paved the way for what is the cloud accounting category um, when it just didn't exist and same thing with shutterstock shutterstock was the the first double-sided marketplace um, and and those were were completely innovative business models at the time and so as as companies kind of move along their trajectory it's like it's super interesting to see how you can actually find new ways for them to grow and and new ways for them to to uh, pivot off of the existing model or, or find ways to keep expanding. So, you know, in the case of Shutterstock, it, it was doing things with AI and technology and, and being able to use like the assets that it currently has to be able to um, figure out new ways to, to make money and open up new revenue streams. And, and it's the same thing today at FreshBooks. So we've got our core business, but, you know, and in, in, in we're, we obsess today over owners and how we can help them do all the jobs that they need to do. So it's it's you know looking at at what are the different things the the uh, the things all around what we're currently doing and the uh, and and how we can help them do those different jobs and, and be able to build businesses around that too. And and I would say if you if you looked at my LinkedIn, um, there's probably not like a lot of real rhyme or reason into a lot of the choices that I've made in my career path. So you you see that I've gone from like startups to large companies back to startups or consulting. And, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I've oscillated between large businesses and, and small startups. And, uh, and it's something I love, but the core thing that I've always looked for is, you know, always root myself in technology because, um, and, and I've always loved marketing technology, but then also find some waves. So I've gone from wireless to social media uh, to, to, um, uh, programmatic and then into uh, images and now cloud accounting. And so I've just always tried to find these waves and, and ride along them and whether they're at large companies or whether they're at growth companies or whether they're at um, smaller startups. Yeah, I mean, there is quite a, an array of different companies in terms of industry even. I mean, Spin Master, uh, for those who know, and in more of like, I associate toys and things like that. I don't know yeah. what part of the business you, you were in there, but you know, and then you've got a media company like Rogers. There's there's quite a, a a diverse background there. But you know, within that diversity also is is having an experience starting a business. Uh, you know, where you were a co-founder of a company called Feast. Uh, yeah. Maybe you can tell us a little bit for people who want that CMO opportunity. What is the difference between being a CMO at a company like Feast, and you can give us some context to size, 
versus being a, a CMO of a company like FreshBooks today? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Feast was a, uh, it was a, a building something from the ground up. So um, a, a gentleman named Steve Harmer came to me and said, hey, I want to do something in the food space. Um, at that time, um, there was a ton of funding uh, going into the category. So uh, in North America, there's companies like Maple and Munchery um, uh, were, were moving into the space, lots of money, probably in the, the ballpark of $500 million. So kind of in that vein of looking for waves, I was like, there's a big wave going on here. And so it was really like building from the ground up, like starting off with a blank piece of paper and, 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 a, uh, and a spreadsheet and trying to figure out what we could actually build out. So we, we built the company up to, uh, to about 45 people very quickly and, and started doing a, a full service or a full stack food company where we were prepping all the food and, and doing on-demand delivery within 10 minutes. So, um, it, you know, that was everything from, from just figuring out what we wanted the experience to be overall, to building the brand, to, to uh, dealing with the technology outages and all of that stuff that's associated with that. So it, it was really building it from the ground up. Um, you know, today at, at uh, FreshBooks, it, it's a very different situation. And I've, I've gone into a team. It's a team of 50 people within marketing. As I mentioned, there's about 400 people. The brand's been around for a long time. Uh, it means a lot. The brand is very, very well known within, uh, within the walls of FreshBooks. So, you know, I'm taking what is all the goodness of, a, of an existing brand and, and, and an existing team and, and trying to trying to focus that in the right direction in terms of where we need to go from a growth standpoint. Um, and, and, you know, looking at, at where we're at today, it's, it's a lot of working with um, a lot of working with our, our finance team and, and, um, and running different models around how we can grow and where we can grow. The similarities are around the assumptions that you make. So, you know, we, in, at, when you're at a startup, you're making a lot of assumptions where the category is not even established. And now, you know, thankfully, I've got um, some empirical knowledge under my belt to be able to uh, to, uh, to to make some more um, uh, educated uh, assumptions in the models that we're we're, we're building today uh, around going into new markets and that kind of stuff. So, so it's very similar. But I think when 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 we're uh, in a a large organization with more established kind of uh, processes and matrices and and, um, and and a lot of historical data. Uh, it gives you a lot more to be able to to to, to guide the ship in uh, in the appropriate direction. Definitely interesting, and you're just starting to hit on this idea of how you go to market. Uh, so what we'll do is is take a quick break here on the marketer's journey with Paul. We'll be back, and we'll shift from his career journey over to the buyer journey right back after this break. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. One of the things that Paul reminded me that happens at FreshBooks that I find fascinating is that anyone in the company who starts spends their first 
four weeks working in customer support. Imagine that, it doesn't matter if you're an executive or if you're joining in customer support itself, marketing, whatnot, you are gonna spend your first four weeks answering help desk tickets. Now, we talked a lot today about product market fit and when you think about that connection and having face-to-face -face or online interaction with your customers, it can transform the way you can understand the product, understand the customer, understand the challenges that you're able to solve inside of that organization. It's something that I wonder if more companies should try is ensuring that we get any new hire to get that customer interaction right out of the gate and better understand what we're trying to solve. So Paul, I want to pick back up off something you mentioned earlier, which is that at FreshBooks, you feel you've found the right niche. The right niche, you know, accounting is, is a big space and there's a lot of solutions out there. Uh, how do you figure out the right niche when you have a solution that in theory could work for anyone? Because I've seen FreshBooks, like I can't see anyone it wouldn't work for, but yet you got to figure out who to go after. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Finding, I think one of the biggest things is with any organization and product is, is really getting a great product market fit. Um, I've, I've worked a lot of product first organizations and what I love about them is, uh, is they really obsess about, about the, the experience that they're creating. And then, and, and then that really can drive a lot of the differentiation you, you get in market. And, you know, you, you think about some great brands and how are they built? And, and one of the consistencies is always that the founders had some sort of like lived pain point and, and built a product to address this. You know, you think of like Nike and, and the origins of the, the, waffle maker built shoes yeah. uh, and to FreshBooks where Mike, who's our CEO, had a, had a problem with overwriting an invoice and, and FreshBooks was born out of it. So, you know, I, I think when you, when you really kind of understand those pain points of your, of your, of your, your segment or your niche segments, um, you get to really understand the pains and those gains that you can create. Uh, and that, that really becomes the foundation of the marketing. So if you have an amazing product, uh, it's, it, it makes marketers lives much, much easier. You know, as, as a marketer, I like to do the, the least amount of work for the most amount of return. Um, you could say that marketers are incredibly lazy because of that, uh, mm -hmm. but I, or, or efficient, whichever one you want to, you want to say. Um, but, but this is like so critical in, in terms of building out, uh, uh, who, who you're going after and why you're going after them. So when I think about FreshBooks using that current example where, where you're focused today, it's a pretty low price point, you know, big dollars for a small business owner, but it's a low price point. In the past, you've worked at other companies that probably have higher price points. You know, how do you find that mindset from a product perspective or a positioning perspective to say, okay, well, we can do all these many very different things versus we are only going to be focused on these very specific things, which... I would imagine it a mass appeal that you need with FreshBooks. You need a you need to please the many versus the the specific. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's like with with any um, with any business, like we want the largest uh, the largest addressable market, like the largest TAM, the largest SAM, and uh, and that always looks great, um, especially when you're doing the math on a spreadsheet. Um, what what the, and I think where when we're talking about transition earlier and and where where companies need to kind of keep that growth mindset. The, 
the area that we're really transitioning to is like, what are those new segments that we can service? So the company's been been very, very focused at, on like, you know, your part-time, your full-time uh, people who are, are, are launching their, their web design service or, or something to that effect. And so we went through a huge replatforming um, with the company a few years ago, and that's given us the ability now to add more features to the product to be able to address some of those needs and some of those pains of, of different markets. And the great thing with that is that it's opening up new channels. We were re really a, primarily a, a touchless or self-search uh, company. And so we followed that same kind of attrition funnel that everybody follows. And and now because of, of, of the new uh, 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 technology that we have, we're, we're able to open up and, and uh, go up market uh, a bit and, and drive a direct to sales channel as well. So we're, we're building new playbooks and um, we're uh, finding new markets and new segments kind of in this, in this growth phase. And, and with the key to it all of making sure that we're not going too wide, because, you know, if we go too wide, we're going to try to boil the ocean. We're not going to be focused. So, so we're just trying to get like that perfect sweet spot right now and, 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 uh, and focus like the marketing team as well as the broader organization in terms of what we, uh, what we really need to, uh, to focus on. So I got, I got a question within that. I mean, everything you outlined there sounds like the perfect recipe. The question is who's the cook, who's the, the main cook in the kitchen for this. And, you know, so many different hats, your hands could be raised. You could have this being, driven by the CEO. Uh, you talked about, you know, the original idea coming from the CEO founder and in the case of FreshBooks, uh, I could envision it coming from a, a chief product officer, um, but as well, it could be on the CMO. How does, how do these decisions of where you're going to go with the product roadmap and, and what you're going to highlight on your website and your collateral and your messaging where does that live in a company of the size of FreshBooks? Yeah, that, that's that's an excellent question because you know it's it's challenging uh, in every single company that I've been at um, because uh, you know w once you develop a strategy or, or if you're killing the strategy, where does the next uh, where's the next big sea change come? So you know I think with within FreshBooks we've got a very very well known growth plan. So it, it from the top down, it's come from the exec team. Uh, at, at every layer in the organization, it then is becoming more well known in terms of like how are we how are we guiding our decisioning from there. So some things that we are actively working on is like our decisioning framework for the marketing group. What are things that we should do? What are the things we shouldn't do? We've done some so out of the strategy in terms of the different types of segments that we're the new segments that we're going after. We've refined our brand strategy. We now are then uh, refining what those segments look like or, or how we want to talk about them from a marketing standpoint. So making sure we understand the exact addressable market and then, and then what share we're going for in those different markets uh, by market, by region. Uh, and so that when we have ideas and we're, we're looking at things that, that we should be, be doing um, within the marketing team, we can easily say, that's a great idea. That's a great idea, but it's an idea that's off strategy and, and not against where we're actually trying to grow. grow. So I think that, that those types of, of, uh, of, of decisioning frameworks are so key within any organization so that ideas don't have to go back up to the top. Um, we run a process of, of, uh, of product asks within our organization. So um, we all own different kind of areas uh, of, that are of importance within, within the company. And, and so that we have like our zero to 18 month kind of horizon and then our 18 month plus horizon. And so uh, when we're developing that 18 month plus horizon, 
we're doing it on a on a fairly frequent basis, but making sure that we can we can put in those asks uh, and building out like the business cases so we can go to the product team that it can go up to to exec sponsors and say, hey, is this something that we actually want to pursue or not pursue? Um, here's the business model. It's been vetted and looked at by finance. Um, but starting off very small with like a, a light kind of memo to then can't kind of continually progress. So you don't have to, you know, burn a lot of cycles on business casing like that for things that never, never will see the light of day. So I have one more question for you here before we take a break. And I feel like when my own team listens to this episode, they'll kill me if I didn't ask this question, because so far we've talked about internally, how do you prioritize that roadmap internally? How do you decide where you're going to be focused but how, at, when you're dealing with a smaller customer, I, sorry, smaller ACV sure. from your customer yeah. in the case of yeah. works, um, how do you get the voice of the customer at mass to figure out which features are going to be important uh, versus just sitting in a boardroom and saying, well, we think they need that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think when we think enterprise, and I know you've worked in, in enterprise settings before, you know, we think customer advisory boards and things like that. What What is the approach at FreshBooks or at other, you know, SMB offerings that you've seen work well? Yeah, it, this is by far one of the biggest challenges in, in this type of, of space. And, I, you know, I, I saw this at at, uh, at Shutterstock as well, because there was a very large kind of like what you what you kind of term is like your prosumer area. And, and we've got a lot of that that segment at FreshBooks. But then we also have um, uh they're not mid-market by any stretch, but they're, you know, on the larger side of the small business uh, segment as well. And, you know, I think like the first part is like, I always like having product marketers that have the live pains. And so whether they've gone through building a startup or whether they've gone through being a consultant, a full-time consultant on their own, it's it's having that lived experience is, is one of the first things that is is excellent to have. Um, so, so, you know, being able to, to have those components are, are great. Um, when you don't have that, it's, uh, it's really making sure that we have like the, the, that voice of the customer back. So whether it's like engaging with sales, getting, getting the systems through your customer support team, um, doing the more ethnographic research, uh, so that you have like that, that different kind of understanding of what like goes through their day in and day out lives and, and really understanding how much value we have in their day so in their 24 hours that they're they have at their disposal how much time are they actually putting in and thinking about like in FreshBooks case their books or or their invoicing or they're updating their client information all of that kind of stuff and then figuring out how we can continually be part of that uh taking out like the challenging issues that they may have and then adding adding as much value to those those kind of mundane tasks that they might might uh, be looking at so i think it's like the hard part is like it's hard and it's a real combination of being able to bring together different people within your organization, which is never easy and never fun, especially like now as we're all kind of like hanging out in Zoom meetings and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but then it's also making sure that you have like your system of, of, of research and feedback and all of that kind of stuff. So we're, we're assigning people within our team to be like the champions by, by segment or by, by vertical segment, as well as going deeper into the regional nuances of, of what's, what's going to be different between someone in the UK who's filing for tax time versus someone in, uh, in, in the States who's, who's preparing for tax time, which all have very, very different kind of pain points. That's, that's a great balance. I think that's the best way to make sure, as you said, that, that we're figuring out product market fit that combination of the customer and, and the, the skills inside the org. 
Paul, this has been great. Uh, if you got time, we're going to keep you around for one more short segment where we get to know how you take some personal time. Uh, right now, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with Paul. In one of my breaks with Paul, I was able to talk a little bit about content. And we talked about this idea of when do we have enough content versus when do we have to put the right content in front of people. And he was open with me that in the past, in FreshBooks, when he arrived, he found loads and loads of content being created week after week. And there was no shortage of content. But the question was, is this the content that people are actually searching for? And that's a big shift that organizations have to make. Shifting from this idea of I'm going to create more and more content to feed my audience versus what is my audience looking for when they come to work with us. In many cases, they're not going to come to you to catch up on a weekly piece of content. That's where they go to Netflix for. But what they come to you for is to solve for a problem. And as Paul put it, the shift that he's seeing today is to dig deeper into the data that lives inside of our organizations. Working with our data science teams, we can sometimes tell not just stories, but stories from data that actually help you solve and understand what you may be looking for. Imagine in his case where you're in the accounting world and being able to understand the expenses compared to your competitors, the expenses that you should expect relative to others in your industry. There's this opportunity to collaborate around data and pull that into our content and deliver more insightful content versus more snacky content. I think Paul's got the right idea. The key now is surfacing the right content experience. Hey, Paul, so we've unpacked your career, how you think of the buyer journey or more so product fit today. How do you prioritize vacation? Uh, and let's say not in a COVID world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I like vacation. I, I think a lot of people don't um, talk about the fact that they enjoy it, um, but I like to not work. Um, it's, it's one of my, my favorite things that I could do. I've, you know, I've got a, a family, a wife, two boys, they're 10 and seven right now. And, and I, I love spending, uh, time as much time with them as much as I can. Um, you know, as I was mentioning before, I've always got kind of focused on, on working smarter and, and not longer. So, you know, one of the, one of the best things that I've done first is like just hire great people and trust them. And, and then I, that means that I can leave. So if they're, if they're being, if they can execute against the vision and, and strategy and deliver the results without me being there, then, then I am a really, really happy person. Um, so I just, I just, I, I unplug as much as I, I possibly can. Um, you know, I, I also feel like I need to really lead by example. So if I don't unplug, the team doesn't unplug. And so, right. you know, I, I, I do things like I'm a morning person, so I, I get up early. Um, and if I'm sending notes at, at 5.15, I don't expect people to respond to me at 5.15 or 5.20. Um, just like if they're sending them at 2 a.m., I'm not going to respond to them till probably till at some point the next day. So it's it's one of those things where I think it's 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 just really critical to do it. Um, I put my phone down. Uh, I've you know having worked in the wireless category for like six years. Uh, I was always around a phone or, or two or three phones. So I've really gotten good at being able to take my devices, shut them and leave them aside uh, and put myself in environments where I just can't check it. So it's like if it's That's great if advice. It's, yeah, if it's put down and I'm in a boat in the middle of a lake, then it gets much more challenging for me to check my phone. That's true. That's true. Although you do sometimes need the, that phone now to 
to Bluetooth some music on the lake. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole other thing. You got you need a third phone for that. I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'll sing. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, this has been great. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing today. I think we all learned a lot. And, uh, you know, the path you've taken to be at the CMO level is one uh, that people can learn from. Uh, They could probably follow you best on LinkedIn. Anywhere else they should uh, reach out to connect? If they, uh, at Cowan PKC is is me pretty much on all the socials and uh, everywhere else, or just Google Cowan PKC and you'll, you'll find me everywhere. Amazing. Paul, that was great. And we've got a whole bunch of other great marketing leaders who are sharing their journey. Tune in every week. We have a new guest and you will learn a ton as you've done today from Paul. Until next time, I am Randy Frisch and this is The Marketer's Journey. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 